Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the All-Star Break edition of Sharing Socks. I am uh, Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen, along with my son and West Coast correspondent, Will, who is uh, sitting in front of, for those of you on audio, a photo of Liam Hendrick in the much-attacked All-Star uniform of uh, the American League. I understand that uh, Hendrick kind of went... big time on the audio last night. I watched when he pitched, but I turned it off the second the last pitch was thrown. So I didn't, I didn't uh, get in on what I guess was most of his verbal action. Well, it was kind of interesting because he was mic'd and he had an earpiece, but I, I think it's pretty clear that earpiece wasn't working because he was not responding to the commentators at all. And I think because his earpiece wasn't working, he assumed none of this stuff was working. <laughs> so he kept his usual uh, Aussie R-rated demeanor uh, throughout the inning. Nothing offensive aimed towards anyone but himself. Uh, but, yeah, it was pretty hysterical. There's some pretty good pretty good clips of, uh, I believe, uh, the best one is he's he's got a one-on-one count, two outs, there was a pretty mediocre pitch. You know, it was a ball. It was no danger of being a home run. And you just hear him go, God damn it, fucking finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I, I mean, I get it. That's that's the correct way to be feeling in that moment. So uh, loved, his, loved his energy. I didn't expect him to go out with anything less in the All-Star game. Well, when they, when they said that, that he was Mike, I just heard the part where – the first time I think I ever heard him talk was the catcher came out and they were talking signs on mic. 
but as soon as it said that he was Mike, I thought, really? That's who you chose to Mike? Really? Well, I mean, <laughs> In a family makes... TV show. Well, that's yeah. who you chose to Mike. <laughs> I, I think it's actually brilliant because once you get past 10 o'clock, there are less rules about what can be said on primetime TV. You can add in a few more cuss words. So they were like, oh, well, this is great. We definitely couldn't mic Liam in the third inning, but we can mic him in the ninth. So it was Meanwhile, just the, uh, it was just the, the late night, uh, adult, you know, part of the game. Uh, but he was great. I also loved picking up the, uh, he had the strikeout. His second batter was a strikeout and he had his moment where, he, he he wanted the ball back, and he yelled, like, give it back! And then he got the ball back, and yeah. he was like, little sticker, little sticker, because <laughs> he wanted them to save it for him. So, very fun. Um, he was lucky. I mean, I've never seen a more fortunate play in baseball, probably, than the bounce back on the wild pitch <laughs> that went straight to Zanino to a put out by Narvaez at second. Otherwise, uh, Liam would have been giving up at least one run. <laughs> at any rate. Um, I Liam mean, it, it, not only, it not only went straight to Zunino, it went straight to where he needed it to be in order in for bed. the transfer yeah. to happen. Yes. So in it, position to throw. We don't, <laughs> at 90-some miles, 90 miles an hour into his mid. We don't have any players who are throwing uh, – assist that well in uh in real games right now so the brick wall is is better than than a lot of the defense we're seeing in the majors right this year unfortunately carlos did not get in uh tim barely got in uh defensively i think he was on deck at the end of the game yeah um, and did not have a play uh, in the field the white Sox who got the most mention was tony larusa which I, I said, when did this all started? It's all going to be about Larusa. Forget the players; it's about Larusa. When I think it was when Lance Lynn was pitching, and the announcers go, "What an incredible job Tony Larusa has done." They did not go, "What an incredible job Alex Cora has done with Boston." They did not go, "What an incredible job Gabe Kapler has done with San Francisco." They didn't mention anybody else, any other man. Of course, the two who were actually managing, but. Nobody else of what an incredible manager they were, except Tony Larusa, who has done nothing to be an incredible manager. Nothing. Yeah, I, I you know, I got a, I got pretty viciously attacked on Twitter last night, which is always fun because Stone did a very similar uh, tweet in terms of what he's done is amazing. He's the best of all time, whatever. And I just responded, "Look, he was." Uh, but he's not anymore. And I said, you know, he, he's flubbing the rules. He's throwing players under the bus. He doesn't really know the style of the game now. He bunts way too much. Um, and I got destroyed by the idiots, praised by uh, the people with brains. Uh, but, I, you know, it was the exact same thing. And everybody's coming back with, well, he's got – He's got two rings, and he's got, you know, uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with this year and why this team is good. And they're like, well, you, the facts are against you. And I'm like, no, the facts <laughs> are saying that Tony LaRusa is fine this year. He's, he's made more bad decisions than good decisions. 
To which everyone was going, whoa, how about putting Billy Hamilton in center field late in the game to make that catch? Oh, yeah, let's all praise the genius who puts the good fielder in the field late in the game when you're up. Like, come on, guys. You would have made the exact same decision. And and for me, it's the same thing that really pisses me off. Because my whole thing was, uh, in my tweet, I said, they're, they're not winning because of him. They just know how to win in spite of him. And that really made everybody mad. And I, I'm like, you guys, these are the players who are doing this. They're saying, well, he's doing it with minor leaguers. Okay, well, they're the ones who are coming up and rising to the occasion. Tony La Russa is not hitting the 98-mile-an-hour sinker for Gavin Sheets and, and Jake Berger. They're doing it. They're doing the work. And then what's the other reason that we have a winning record right now? Really, what's the reason? Starting pitching. Starting pitching is the reason we have a winning record. And that has nothing to do with Tony La Russa. If they were on there praising Ethan Katz all, all night, I would have le- far less of a problem with that. Because Ethan Katz is making changes. He's making interesting decisions. He's getting players to be better. And he's keeping the rotation healthy. What's La Russa doing? He's not doing any of that. So come let's, on, you guys. Let's, let's talk about one thing. I, I, I wrote a piece that's going to be posted. That we're recording this Wednesday, uh, midday, and it should be posted today, which is a debate between a, pes- a white Sox man, pessimist, and optimist. And one is saying, yeah, 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 yeah. And the other going, both agreeing they're going to win the division because it's a minor league division. But talking about playing against good teams. One of the things I found out while researching this, and I, I wasn't looking for this, but just kind of wandered into it, is I think it's baseball reference in its advanced pitching stats for starting pitchers has a category of how many pitches they threw. And White Sox starting pitchers have thrown 100 or more pitches 31 times. No other team has thrown starting pitchers that much more than 22 times. And that's the Dodgers, 22 times. Now you can say, well, yeah, it's because our pitchers are really good, so they can make it the third time through the order. But go back to preseason, and it's be interesting with Stoney if, if he's now on the on the La Russa bandwagon, although, of course, he's paid to be. Um, exactly. That was another argument I made. They're like, oh, you know more than Stone. I'm like, no, I don't, but I'm also not contractually obligated to support the manager. When, when was the last time you heard the local team go on and just crap all over the manager? They don't do it. It's not their job. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, but I think Stoney's a very honest guy. I've seen honest interviews with him. I heard him on uh, on the score, for example, where he's saying, well, maybe Tony's earlier. Maybe he's not doing as well as he'd like to. But preseason, and Stoney was really big on this. So all the talk of the experts, not us, the experts was they got to watch the innings and consequently the pitches on these guys because they had the short season last year. They're not in the same kind of regular rotation condition that they would be had that been a regular normal season of 162 games. There's going to be, it's going to be very difficult. You're really going to have to pace your people. Now they could all be wrong. Stoney could have been wrong about that. All the other experts could have been wrong and that really they just were more rested from last year. So they're ready to go. But Larusa is the only one working his starting pitchers this hard. Nobody else is. David Dave Roberts isn't. I mean, and it wouldn't be in Tampa Bay anyway because they got that third thing, third time through the order thing. But none of the other really good, you know, Dusty Baker isn't. Oh, 
you name it, they're not doing it. Um, maybe he knows. Maybe he knows that the thing to do is to pitch them a whole lot so that they build up strength for when the playoffs come. But maybe the other 29 managers are right, and you need to kind of reserve some strength for late in the season. Could be either way. I'd say I, I don't it, know. It really That's, could. Time's going to tell, but it's really a big question. I can tell you this. I think one of the best things that happened in that All-Star game last night was Carlos Rodon not pitching. It, it seemed like they were intentionally not using him like they were with Chapman, but uh, – you know, I, I think it's great that he didn't pitch because the we don't need him throwing more than he has to. We don't need him getting out of whack with with his process. You know, I, I'm really glad he didn't pitch. Lance Lynn, I worry a little less about because he's a workhorse. Um, but, yeah, I mean, who knows? But certainly I would think that overworking them is a bad idea um, when, when you're dealing with the – a long season off of a short season. It, you know, these, you can argue these things all day and all night. We'll see how it plays out. Um, Another big argument for the uh, trolls on Twitter last night was uh, he's, he's so great with relievers. He's so great with handling relievers. He's so good at, at having the courage to put a guy out there. Who's, who's, who had a bad day the day before and give him another shot to which I'm responding they're not good. They're not good. It out, outside of Hendricks, really, it, you know, and Ruiz sometimes. It's like you know, it doesn't take courage to put Foster, to put Marshall, to put Hoyer back out there. That's just who we have. You know, Nicholas Kopech was hurt. Exactly. We we need better pitchers. It's not brave to put them in the game. We just don't have other guys out there. <laughs> So that argument is just so stupid. These guys are such boneheads. These Larusa uh, defenders and apologists, or what, whatever you want to call them, they're just. And of course, they're you know if you can picture them, they're exactly what you picture, and they all have a whopping two followers on Twitter. But it's definitely weird to me that people are going so hard still in this Larusa pro Larusa argument. When we have been watching the games, it's, you know, preseason, I I thought these arguments were actually more acceptable. But now that we're watching the games, I'm not watching him do anything that a manager with half a brain wouldn't do. And most of the time, he's making bad decisions. So I I truly don't understand it. I don't understand the love of La Russa. You know, take take away his personal issues which, you know, we don't need to get into those again. Just look at the body of work this year. And I'm not impressed. I'm just not impressed at all. And then people say, oh, well, Renneria would have done so much better. I didn't say that. I don't think Renneria would have done so much better. But why don't we have a third option other than Renneria and the guy who left baseball back when he knew how to coach it and doesn't know how to coach it anymore? Uh, we should take a break, though. Let's take a break. We will come back. We'll talk about something else. What What do you want to talk about? I don't remember. Well, I, I want to do some <laughs> more things that I found found out doing the research for the piece that I wrote today. Great. That sounds good. We're, we're you know, it's not an off week, but we haven't had many Sox games since the last time we talked. Well, we played Baltimore. Uh, that doesn't really count. 
pleasant sweep over Baltimore. Thank goodness that happened. Uh, but yeah, we'll come back and talk about this some more on Sharing Socks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to Sharing Socks. Uh, The Geezer has an article dropping later today talking about the pro- uh, Larusa versus anti-Larusa, or or <laughs> optimistic, <laughs> optimistic soccer yeah. fan versus. No, it really, really has. I, I don't know that I even mentioned Larusa in the whole thing, uh, other than with right. regard to that what we've gone over with the the pitchers and their uh, number of pitches a game. But what I was re- looked at more than anything else is how the Sox do against good teams and bad teams. We know last year they were twenty-one and three against the Royals, Tigers, and Pirates, and and fourteen and twenty-two against everybody else. It's like that this year. There's 16 and 24 against teams 500 or above. That's, you know, they're great at beating up on bad teams. They're terrific. And you got to do that. That's, that's wonderful that they do that. They are not holding their own against the good teams. And yes, it's without Robert. It's without Aloy. One thing that I just looked up today, which is not going to be in that piece. Aloy is, I think, going to be the designated hitter. I, I don't think there's anybody out there who doesn't think he's going to be DHing instead of in left field when he comes back. Yeah. Aloy has been DH in nine major league games in which he has hit 139. Some guys just, and it's not because he's got a big ego and he's got to be out in the field. He's a great guy. Some people just don't feel part of the game unless they're in the field. Jose's like that. Uh, if that is the case with the lawyer got a real serious problem. If, if, if he really can't hit well is the DH simply because he's not in the flow. It's like a basketball player comes, comes off the bench and he needs time running up and down the court before he starts shooting. Uh, hope that you know, it's a small sample size. Nine games. You know, I, I have, I have no concern about that. Nine games, such a small sample. I, I get it. Eloy is, I mean, there's a reason he's so fun to watch because he loves playing baseball. He loves being out there. We love watching him play. Even when he's in the field, I like, I like watching him play out there. He's clueless, but holding you your know, breath. To quote La Russa, he's clueless uh, out there. But, uh, you know, I, I think that it's a situation where you get Eloy up in that DH slot with, with the bases loaded down one or two late in a game he is going to find a way to find a, a comfy home in that DH spot. When he hears the crowd, he's, he'd have a full crowd rallying behind him when he comes up to bat. The place is going to go nuts when Aloy comes up to bat the first time when he comes back. And he's already going to, to Charlotte. So he's yeah. he's definitely on his way Good back news. pretty quickly. Um so I am I'm not really concerned. I, I get it, and and you're right. There are guys who feel that way. I mean, um, Yadi Molina being an incredible example, a guy who not only wants to be in the field every day but wants to be catching every day, uh, which is incredible that he has the career that he has. Uh, I'm not as worried about that with with Aloy, and I think you can't let him play in the field this year. We'll look at uh, next. This- can't let him play in the field this year. 
since you mentioned Yadier Molina, uh, that's not the direction I was headed, but we can skew off there a little bit. Uh, there is a question of catchers available before the deadline and who they might be. Um, Zach Collins cannot cut it. His hitting is no. okay. Um, he, he hits uh, 239 against bad teams and 218 against good ones. Uh, that 218 against good ones, it's a lot better than most of the White Sox. Very few White Sox hit good teams at all. Uh, Tim does, uh, does fine. Uh, Yuan does to an extent. Most of them do not hit good teams at all. Leary is 317 against bad ones and 186 against good ones. And with good ones, I'm just going 500 or above. It's not necessarily that they really are good or bad. Um, yeah. And it, and it's that way Vaughn's average drops 80 points and it is uh, uh, OPS drops uh, 230 or so. And they, they're just a complete difference. And it happens with the pitchers. Lance, you know what Lance Lynn's ERA is against bad teams? 0. 0.86. <laughs> but, he's, but he's at 3.59, I think it is. I may be off my pointer there, against good teams. You know who's really good against good teams that should be Pitching num- game number one of the playoffs, Rodon is better Dylan against good teams than Steve. bad teams. Two you pronounced it wrong. I think against you, good teams. You pronounce it wrong. It's it's pronounced Dylan Cease. <laughs> no, Dylan Cease's ERA against teams with 500 or above records is over seven and a half. Dylan Cease should never be allowed to pitch against a team that has a winning record ever, ever, ever. And I don't think he will. I, I think when the playoffs come, he, he will not be a starting pitcher. They don't need five. No way. But he may no. be the long reliever. Uh, who of knows? course. Yeah. He'll he'll be an emergency guy for sure. Yeah. Uh, if he's on the roster. I mean, Kopech fits that role better. But uh, at any rate, all, all of the other pitchers all do worse against good teams, as you'd expect. Everybody does worse against good teams. That's why they're good teams. Yeah. Um, but some of the differentials are just humongous. The Lynn differential is humongous. The, uh, the cease differential is unbelievable. Well, I'll give you the uh, the bonehead argument from the Twidiots, uh, who were uh, who I was enjoying last night. Um, they their argument is that you beat the bad teams and you split with the good teams, and that's what great teams do. That, that's right. But you have to split. That's the important part. You split. 16 and 24 is not a split. No, that's and what we're like last year. And if you look at the stats, when you're that bad against good teams, uh, statistically, the stats you were just rattling off, that's not a split. That's not a split. That is, you are bad against them. You've won 16 of the 24 games. If 16 and 24 is a split, we're screwed. We're screwed if we split with everyone. Uh, no, it's just a stupid, idiotic argument. I mean, uh, they're all saying, well, yeah, you know, of course we beat the bad teams and we, we're not as good against good teams. That's how it works. I'm like, yeah, but not it's as true. You still, You still should have a winning record against the good teams because that's who you'll face. And if you don't have a winning record against them, that doesn't go well in a playoff series in which you need to win more than the other team. So it's just ridiculous. We have not seen the White Sox play well against, and they're all going to say, oh, we we faced the Yankees when they were crushing it. Well, the Yankees suck, so whatever. And uh, we faced the Astros when they were at the height of their game. 
Well, that may be true. When's the height of our game going to be against good teams? And then uh, they say, well, we took two out of three from Tampa. Yeah, that's true. All it took was Tyler Glasnow's season-ending injury uh, to help us do that. So these arguments are just, they're, they're insane. And I, as you know, am extremely pro-White Sox. I love this team. I love these well, players. As, 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 I think they're as awesome. do we both. Uh, and, and my final point was where they get the argument goes, one of them says, well, maybe Rick Hahn will do something. <laughs> and the other one says, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. That's, and, and that gets us back to Yadier Molina. I don't think he's the answer to catch it. And part of it, I looked up Collins. You know, Zach Collins is a terrible catcher. He's terrible. His, his wild pitch rate is more than double the league average. And, yes, the wild pitch is on the pitcher, but you're supposed to block him. That's, that's your job. It's caught stealing rate if you take out the two where the pitchers actually pick guys off base before it ever went to him is less than 10%, which is career-wise what it's been the case, which is uh, less than half of what is normal. I think normal is 23 24%. Uh, he's horrible behind the plate, and they really could use somebody back there who knows what they were doing. Yadier Molina, I think if you bring him in, he's teacher's pet. He is just teacher's pet. He he and Larusa just have too much going back together, and and I I don't know how that fits into a, to a team chemistry. Well, here here's what I'll say. Um, I I would not be as concerned about that if Yachty were to come. I actually think this is the one thing Larusa could get us that would be extremely helpful. Um, I love the idea of getting Yachty. And just saying goodbye to Collins for the rest of the year, goodbye to Sebi, uh, or, or have Sebi be the backup to Yachty, or have Zach be the backup to Yachty until Grandall comes back, and then both Collins and Zavala. Uh, you know, do you really, do you really think Grandall's going to catch again this year? I don't think so. I think he's going to be back, but I bet he comes back as a DH, maybe a first. You take a guy who's had major knee surgery and put him in a catching position. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it just depends. I, I can't really speculate on, on what his recovery is going to be like, but I personally would love to get Yachty. Yachty is a beast. You know that Yachty would come to Chicago with that re- La Russa relationship, have something to prove, feel like he does need to achieve greatness when he gets shipped over to a great, uh, a potentially great team. I love the idea of getting Yachty. He's amazing behind home plate. I love watching him play. I love his energy. I love how much he loves being on the field. I actually think he fits in really well with this style of team, with these group of guys, these high-energy, high-passion guys. And I think he could come in and be really good because he has that relationship with La Russa uh, versus having to bring in someone who needs to prove themselves to Tony. Uh, I I would actually go for for Yachty if the if the price is right. Now, okay. who knows if the price is right or not? That's the thing. <laughs> I'm not willing to give up a lot of our young studs. Uh, I would rather just suffer through what we have at catcher uh, than give up a lot of good players. But I'm not sure we'd have to give up a ton for Yachty. Well, it's a rental, and and he's you know he's 64, so it's, yeah, he's it's uh, a and, rental. And, and the other thing that he does do. Uh, ever since uh, your and Mercedes got sent down, we have we're short of our quota of guys whose first names start with Y. So, That's true. 
uh, we, we need brought back up again before uh, we get arrested for that. That's a really good point because we don't have Yolmer, we don't have Yonder, we're down to Yuan, and uh, yeah, we 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 and lost yes. Yasmin and and Yasmani, so we're hurting on our Y names. We used to be the beacon of Y named success, and now we're just a team with a third baseman with a Y name. It's a really big letdown. And a, and a catch and an injured catcher. Yeah. And an injured catcher. Yeah, he's not playing right now though. So we got one Y out there. I'd like to get Yachty. Plus, Yachty's a situation where you don't even really need to worry about the offseason. You know, you bring him in, you hope you get some some great defense out of him, occasional big hit, but then you know that he's going to he's going to go right back to St. Louis. It, it might be a let's sign him so he can retire a Cardinal situation, uh, but it's not a guy that we have to think about paying money to in the offseason. I, I think if we don't have to give up too much, you go for Yachty. All right. I, I don't have a better alternative. This is one of the things I was going to get to. There, there are a couple other catchers out there who are rumored to be uh, uh, available or, or catching for teams who obviously are, are, are dumping um, or will be dumping. So there's not a lot there on the catching. Way back preseason, when we got who's most important member of the White Sox, you will remember I said he's not the best. But the most important one is going to be Yasmani Grandal because if he goes down, we're in big trouble. Whereas the other guys, we got somebody to play for him. Um, not as good, of course, but somebody decent to play for him. We have nobody decent to back up Grandal. So no, uh, we don't. And and you're still not wrong about Yachty being the most important part. And you know, I I certainly uh, have shifted my perspective, you know, because I'm usually not someone who loves guys who bat 180. Uh, but he's he's just such an important part of the team, and he's got some good power this year. And you can't argue an on base percentage around 400, no matter how they're getting on base. You know, if you're if you're going to get on base and be there at around 400, same same way I feel about Moncada. If you're going to do that you're an extremely valuable player. Batting average is irrelevant if you're going to walk more than you hit. I, I, I'm eating dirt on my Yasmani criticisms from earlier in the year. I'm very pro Yasmani. I hope he has a speedy recovery. And when he comes back, I hope we have Yachty behind the plate. Yaz uh, switching off, playing a couple games back there, not going too hard, playing some DH, playing some first, giving Jose a little rest. Uh, and then see what happens when Aloy comes back as well. And hopefully Luis Robert will be back by the end of the year. Uh, we have heard that his uh, his situation is going well. So that's nice that we've heard that now. And uh, just fingers crossed that he continues to, to get healthy because uh, he will be a, a truly pivotal part of a World Series run. If we're gonna make it, he, you, you know. Oh, we could we could have with with Vaughn playing a decent, if not uh, uh, overwhelming, left field and hitting better and better every day, even hitting right-handers now. And uh, with Robert in center and Angle who hits righties and lefties both in right. If you have to, I, if you think you have to, you can platoon with Goodwin. Um, but thank you, Eaton's gone. That's that's one thing we didn't get into. Yeah, yeah, Eaton's gone. gone. Hooray! 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 Celebrate that real quick. You got to take the wins where you get them. Uh, yeah, amazing. Can't believe it happened. Thrilled it happened. You know, 
He, he'll probably get picked up by somebody, uh, so whatever. There, there was talk. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought I saw something on the web. Somebody was, was – they said trading. I don't know why you trade. They, they dumped him. I don't, I don't they, think any trade needs to be had. They dumped him outright. They released him of everything. Yeah, so I, they, I don't think – he's not on, re, on revocable waivers. He, he's just gone. Yeah, he's just gone now. So someone might pick him up. Who cares? Not our problem. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I'm kind of interested in, which will probably not happen, is the possibility of uh, snagging scope from Detroit. I'm reading that they they think he's a good fit for the White Sox, but the White Sox have not traded a position player in season with the Tigers since the 80s. Isn't that crazy? Well, and there's reason for that, too. Or, no, they've done one. They've had one trade since the 80s. Right, of course. You're, it's your interdivision rival. You don't want to be trading that much in between. That is still pretty crazy, though. One guy in 30-something years, that's, that's pretty wild. And so I do not think that trade will happen. I also don't see Frazier happening. I Escobar is probably the most likely one because we'd have to give up the least for him. Uh, still don't see it happening. I, I think we are we are with the crew that we're going to have, and and I think uh, ideally relief pitching will be what we go for, which I've, I've said before on here. Uh, do you have anything else today before we uh, before we send uh, send off? No, I'm going to go to the optimist side of it. We are in first place with the best record in the American League, 17 games or 19 games over. Uh, 500. Uh, our division is 17 games under 500 because it's so lousy. <laughs> it's, it, it really is a triple A division, except for the Sox. But we're in it. It's not our fault. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm positive about it too moving forward. Why? Because we're going to keep playing the AL Central and the NL Central. So yeah. as I said last podcast, I'm not worried about making the playoffs at all. Even no, with, no, even no with worry. our minor leaguers up, our minor leaguers are better than theirs right now, so we're we're gonna we're gonna win this division. I've got full faith in that. It's gonna be a lot of fun to watch, uh, but hopefully we start getting these pieces back so we can actually split or beat the good teams. For my Twitter losers out there, um, to to quote a man who is former president, the uh, who these guys probably love, the losers and haters uh, can suck it. So uh, that's all we have uh, today for sharing socks. Thanks for listening to us on this uh, sort of weird post uh, post all-star game purgatory area that we're in before we get started up again. But I'm excited for the second half of the season. I hope you are too. We'll be here for all of the action from me and the geezer. Thanks for listening to sharing socks.